A woman went to a matrimonial lawyer and was asked by her attorney why she was seeking a divorce. Do you, do you have a grudge, asked the attorney of the woman. No, 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 she said, we have a carport. We've got a carport at home. I'm sorry, said the lawyer. I, I, that's not what I was getting at. I, I, I'm trying to understand the reason for your desire to end this marriage. Do, do you have actual grounds? Oh, yes, we've got an acre and a half at least, she said. No, ma'am, I, I'm trying to understand why you're seeking a divorce, asked the lawyer. Did he, did he beat you up? Oh, no, I'm up way before him most days. That's not the issue at all. Ma'am, I'm trying to get at why you want to divorce your husband. Oh, she says, it's obvious. We have a failure to communicate. (laughs) That's the issue, isn't it, in many cases? That explains why so many relationships, not just the ones between a man and a woman in a marriage, but even the ones between parent and children, between a set of siblings or workmates or friends, why all kinds of relationships often not only reach that remarkable level we once wanted them to have, but settle down far lower on the scale, never becoming what we would like them to be. As we're going to touch on this morning and probe even more deeply and in a practical way next week, at the core of our difficulties is often a failure to communicate with the people, the important people in our lives. And that failure to communicate has at its roots in many instances a trouble with really and truly listening to each other. Jesus once said, consider carefully how you listen. If you want a remarkable relationship with God, if you care about a really significant relationship with any other person, you must consider carefully, says Jesus, how you listen. Six times in the Gospels, Jesus suggests that it's not simply enough to have ears. You must have ears to hear to truly hear. And implicit in this message of Jesus is this assertion that a lot of the time when we appear to be listening to somebody, we're a lot like that lady in the divorce attorney's office. We all seem to be very, very engaged, but we actually have huge holes in our hearing. Let's be honest, listening's hard. I mean, isn't that right? It is hard. I mean, it's... uh, It's difficult because of the external noises in our life and because of the internal clamor in our life. The reality is the human brain moves so much faster than the human tongue that a lot of the times as people are talking to us, our minds are are free associating all over the place. Isn't that true? Somebody's telling us about their mother and we start thinking, oh, I wonder how my mom's doing. I wonder how mom's doing. Yeah. I wonder if I wrote that thank you note to her for that gift that she sent me. Oh, speaking of gifts, I wonder if they have any sales on over at the mall. Oh, yes. Oh, hey, 
I wonder if this church service will get out in time for me to go and take advantage of that. I call this bobblehead listening. We're smiling, our eyes are open, we appear to be all in the game with the person, right? But our mind is every other place but actually in the conversation. We are saying, mmm, and oh yes, and ah, and all kinds of things that suggest we're there. But we've completely zoned out. People would be amazed to know what's going on behind that bobblehead and those glazed eyes. Or they know because they do it themselves. Others of us, I think, tend to measure the satisfaction and the effectiveness of our communication by how much talking we manage to get in in the conversation. We resort to what I call jerky microphone listening. Jerky microphone listening. When somebody else begins talking, we get preoccupied with looking for an opportunity to get that microphone back up to our mouth. In fact, we become even more anxious. The longer and longer the other person is talking, because our brain is racing, and the more time goes by, the more material we have in our head, and we're so desperate to put it all together so we can get it out, and then when somebody makes the fateful error of actually taking an overly long pause, we jump right back into that pause, we pull the microphone to our mouth, we blurt out our argument, our better take on the subject, our correction of the viewpoint of this ignorant person. We speak fast before the other person can jerk away the microphone from us. Then there is what I would call springboard listening. For all of the reasons described above, we tend to tune in and out of the listening process. We take in pieces of what the other person is saying, but not so much because we're really trying to put a meaningful puzzle together that would help us understand that person and their viewpoint more deeply than because we might find in what they're saying a piece of timber that we could use as a springboard to get the conversation going in the direction of my life. More often than not, we take the information that's in the conversation, it gives the other person a sense that we were at least partially attentive to us, and then we use it to go boing off into some other story from our life. In fact, the experience of talking with us is kind of an adventure in non-sequiturs more than we realize. People are left with this weird sense that they had our attention until suddenly we go someplace that really didn't follow from where they were trying to take the conversation. You can go to cocktail parties where this is going on all along, all, all the time. You should sit around with a group of middle school students sometime. Everybody's just going boing, 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 you know. My life, my life, my feelings, my worries, my, my interests, my... Everybody desperately trying to get attention. Everybody desperately trying to be heard. It's a terribly noisy and lonely kind of experience to be in a circle like that. We wonder, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with them? Why aren't we getting any closer? especially when we're in conversation with people we already know or think we do, 
A lot of us also practice confirmation hearing too. I think that the longer we live, the more experience we have in life, the easier it is to become like one of those partisans we see at the confirmation hearings on C-SPAN. You know the ones I'm talking about. They seem extremely concerned to get at the truth, don't they? Oh, they're very serious about getting at the truth. But you have this sneaking suspicion, if you watch them very long, that they already believe they got a full brief on this other person that's good enough. They've got a complete mental map of what this other person and their position and their pattern is really all about. And they've got enough now to really keep their agenda going if they can just drive the conversation in a certain way. I think we engage in confirmation hearing a lot of the time. We may ask apparently curious questions. We may appear to be really listening to the other person attentively. But what we're actually doing behind the the eyeballs is we're just seizing those particular pieces of information being presented to us that confirm our assumptions that validate what we already believe, that square with our suspicions, that confirm our current viewpoint, we're unconsciously gaveling most of the fresh data that would be there to receive. Now, I'm not throwing stones here. Because the reason I can describe this stuff so vividly is because I recognize this pattern in myself. And I think I see it in the world around me from the television news panels. Just look at the jerky microphones there. To the halls of Congress, the confirmation hearing going on there. To the cocktail parties, the boing-boing springboarding going on there. To the hallways of our homes and our churches all the bobbleheading going on there as we type away, as we text away, as we basically ignore each other. And tragically, I think we listen like this in part because this is the way we've been listened to. You know, we've just absorbed the pattern of our world. It's hard to break from it sometimes. But these practices that we've gotten ourselves into are like holes in the kite of our connections with each other. They're just like holes right in the fabric of our relationship with one another. These holes make relating enormously exhausting and and ultimately unproductive. Everybody is working harder and harder at the conversation. We're working harder and harder to blow air into the kite of the connection, but we can't get any real loft in the kite. We talk faster, we talk louder, we talk more intensely, but often to ourselves and past one another And the kite of this connection just sinks lower and lower than we ever wanted it to. Somehow this needs to change. I mean, it needs to change everywhere. In government, in church life, in familial life, in corporations. This pattern needs to change. Take note of this, writes the Apostle James. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Do you notice the order? Do you notice the order and the emphasis there? Quick to listen, 
slow to speak. I want you to turn subtly. Don't even turn your head. You can kind of look with your eyes if you need to. If it's too scary to do what I'm about to describe. Look at the face. Look at the head of somebody else in the room around you. Notice something. How many organs of hearing and how many orders of speech and organs of speaking are there on that head? Notice the ratio. What's the ratio? Two to one. That's right. Now, which of the organs of perception are higher up on the head? Right. The organ of hearing. This is instructive. God has laid into the very physical nature of the human head, some practical instructions. Our highest priority needs to be to listen, to listen to each other. We're meant to be twice the listener that we are the talker. And because I do an awful lot of talking, and I'm surprised I'm not hearing an amen from the congregation about that, I'm probably particularly in need of this reminder But I'm guessing that there may be others as well who need to migrate more intentionally from a pattern of what I would call holy hearing to holy hearing. From this hearing so full of holes, of the kind I've been describing, to a truly holy kind of hearing. Now what does that look like? What does that really involve? Well, I'm going to come back next week and get into an awful lot of the key mechanics for this. But it's just pointless to go there until we examine the heart that operates that system. So the very first and most important thing that I think I need to hear for myself, and maybe you do as well, is the requirement to make a conscious change in the way I am viewing, we are viewing the people around us. These ordinary people with whom we get engage in one way or another in all of these ordinary conversations. We need to think about them differently. We need to remember the stakes of all of these interactions we're having with them. The great British theologian and scholar C.S. Lewis was particularly conscious of this. And he wrote in a very famous statement, there are no ordinary people. That's one of the great mistakes, one of the great blindnesses of our time, he suggested, is that we just think the people around us are these ordinary people. He says, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal, writes Lewis. If you believe what the Bible says about the eternal nature of, of the Spirit, then you've never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, says Lewis, And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with. It is immortals whom we work with and marry and snub and exploit. People on the way to becoming either immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. It is a serious thing, he says, to live in a society of eternal beings. It is a serious thing to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you could see that person now, you would be strongly 
tempted to worship them. Or else, they will become a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long, and this is the most important part, all day long, he writes, in some degree, we are helping each other to one or another of those destinations. Immortal horror, everlasting splendor. We're helping each other to one or the other of those destinations. And it is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities, it is ultimately with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another, writes Lewis. All of our friendships, all of our loves, our play, our politics, our charity toward one another, he writes, must be a real and a costly love with a deep feeling for the sins in spite of which we love the sinner. For next to the blessed sacrament, Your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. Look around you today at these eternal beings and remember they are holy. I was in the midst of preparing for this message. It was Friday, just two days ago. I was grinding it out another Sunday, relentlessly Sunday's come. i got to have something to say. I'm working at it. It's not coming easy. And so I go outside to my car to, take, to get a, a book from the car, sort of get a stretch break. And as I'm coming back, uh, a, one of the uh, landscapers uh, approaches me with a trimmer, hedge trimmer in his hand. And um, he's a young Hispanic gentleman, and, um, and he comes, and it's clear he wants to speak to me. He, he turns off the tremor, and, he, and he's coming up to me, and I'm going, I'm getting nervous because I'm thinking, I've got to get inside. I'm... And uh, he comes up to me, and, and in very, very broken English, he asks, are you the one I see on TV preaching God's word? Well, yes, I am. Uh, I... Uh... <laughs> I didn't really do that. I'm capable of it, believe me, but. What I was really feeling was, oh, this is going to be long. This is going to take up time. I have got to get back inside and finish up my message on listening. And then that convicts me, right? And I'm going, oh, I gotta listen. I gotta listen. So I, I just put away the stuff that was clamoring for my attention and I tried to really tune into this guy and give him all of me for a moment. And he goes on to tell me about how Jesus has just come into his life. And how his family life was in terrible crisis and his wife was leaving him and he'd lost a connection with his kids and then Jesus came to him and entered his life and began to change him from the inside out and it had absolutely saved his family's life. 
And there is such a beauty and a passion to the way this young man is speaking about his relationship with Jesus. And, I, and it's just, wow. I never expected this. And what he says is that, is that you have to help, he says to me, you have to help people hear God's word and take it in because it can change everything. And I find my own flagging, going through the motions, mechanical, get the sermon done, faith, start to come alive in a deeper way. And so the conversation comes to an end, and I, and I say, what's your name? I am Gabriel, he said. Oh, I said. Like the angel, huh? King Solomon, one of the very wisest men who ever lived, learned wisdom the hard way, making lots of mistakes along the journey. Solomon was just convinced that we could not possibly get to that holy destination, to that to that beautiful place that God wants to lead us to, if we didn't more often stop in our tracks and truly listen to the wisdom that comes from others. Let the wise listen, he wrote once in Proverbs, and let them add to their learning. As far as along as they are, as much as they know, let them keep on learning. And let the discerning get guidance. Listen, my child, he writes, to your father's instruction. Listen to your dad and don't neglect or forsake your mother's teaching. Listen to advice. Accept instruction from other people, even if it's hard to hear. And in the end, you'll be wise. Do you practice this? Do you practice this? I am slowly, painfully discovering that even my worst enemies have a lot to teach me if I would listen to them. I'm learning that even those people that I really rub up against, that rub me the wrong way, even the person who prattles on, even the one who doesn't have the degrees that I do, the guy or the gal below me on the org chart, the old person who doesn't know how to use Facebook, the children who live in my house that are always on Facebook, even the guy running the trimmer on the landscape crew, they know things, these people. I mean, it's like, it's like God figured out, I know, I'm going to distribute my seed to lots of hands so that it will really get scattered in lots of places. My truth is going to be sown into people's lives through many, many different hands. And these people that we're surrounded with, well, they know things that we need to know ourselves, at least at the level of the heart. Some of them know about God. Some of them know about life. Some of them know about my besetting sins and your besetting sins. Some of them know about where joy can really be found and where hope can be genuinely recovered. Some of them know things that you and I are going to completely miss if we do not learn 
how to listen at the deeper level. Who has the wisdom you need to become the everlasting splendor that you want to be, that God wants you to be? Who has that wisdom? And when they speak to you this week, will you be listening? I hope you will remember this in closing today. These people out there, around you, they need your listening too. I mean, they are hungering to have someone listen. So try this this week. Cut in half the amount of speaking you do. I know I'm not practicing that very well. But let's try cutting in half the amount of talking we do. Let's double the listening we do. And when somebody starts to speak, let's just put away the distractions and the... Just, get, just put it away, turn it off, shut it out. Put, put behind us these childish things. And turn our full attention on this holy being in front of us. And lock onto their eyes. And and, and notice their face and their expressions and their tone and the way their body is cast. Because it's going to give you clues to things that are even further beyond the words that are coming out of their mouth. If you really pay attention. Let's really tune into them. Ask them. Ask them. What do you want to tell somebody? What do you really want somebody to know about you? About what you know? What do you dream? What do you dream about? What do you hope for? What brings you joy? What brings you delight in this life? What is it that's hurting you? Or worrying you right now? What have you experienced of God? What he's, he taught you. What are the truths that you know for sure? And the ideas that you have that could really make a difference in people's lives if somebody bothered to listen to them. What do you think I might need to take in or to start to do differently? And how can I help you? How can we help each other get to our desired destination. Brothers and sisters, C.S. Lewis was right. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other upward or downward on this great kite flight we call life. We have enormous power at our disposal entrusted to us by God for this purpose of lifting each other up. And everywhere you go from here today, everywhere you go, you're going to be meeting these immortal beings, these beings so precious to God and so essential to all of us that God himself crossed all of eternity to walk with them and listen to them. 
give his life for them. And so when you meet them, and you will, will you be just another one of those regular people they're so used to meeting who have holes in their hearing? Or will you be instead one of those remarkable relationships they stumble upon? Because they've met someone who, like Jesus himself, knows how to truly listen. Please pray with me. Lord, we, we struggle to even contemplate how much you know, how much wisdom you have, how much you had to say to human beings when you walked the streets and the hallways of this world. And yet, time and again, you stopped in your tracks to offer people the gift of your quiet presence. You asked them questions. You cared to truly listen to answers. And we want to be like you more. Believing that it is still through the power of hearing that two can become one, we recovenant today with you and for the sake of all our relationships to become, by your grace, better listeners. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.